says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me to preview a monster weekend of Rugby League, it's NRL, it's Jersey Flag, it's New South Wales Cup, it's Junior Reps. It's all over the board, mate. It's my good mate, 60s. So much for you to talk about, mate, and a bit of news too. Yeah, mate, we're really going to be powering through this. We've got that short week before the match tomorrow night. We're doing the pre-match, so... Let's get it out there right now from the start. You're going to see the Cumberland throw from 6 p.m. in Jack's Bar and Grill tomorrow mm-hmm. night at uh, Parramatta Leagues Club, the home of the Eels. Uh, there's going to be elements of the preview that will be part of that uh, live appearance. So we're going to we're going to be a bit more streamlined tonight. And uh, mate, I'm really pumped. I'm really really pumped that we're one sleep away from all the action. Yes, and speaking of Parramatta Leagues, let's just kick off a bit of news there. Obviously, we've been speaking about the board elections for the last month or so, and we finally got the results back, 60s, at the AGM that took place last night, and it was a sweep for the incumbents, all three uh, directors on the board being re-elected, and uh, those three members being Joy Cusack, Richard Voder, and Darren Adam. And that was a, a pretty solid vote of solidarity there from the members, wasn't it, 60s? They really are in a, a great position, the club I'm talking about. The club's in a great position. That flows onto the Parramatta Reels because we have two directors from Parramatta Leagues Club that take up director positions with the Parramatta Football Club. But stability has has been the key for the last number of years. We've had stability around the coaching, uh, the key players in the team, and we now also have that stability with... Uh, the members, uh, the leadership, the executives around the club. So there was a vote of confidence, certainly a vote absolutely, of confidence. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, stability, stability at the top, stability in the football department, it's been good for the Eels on and off the field, and it should continue to be good for the Eels on and off the and field. I, and I should, me- I should mention as well, mate, that there were, uh, in amongst the candidates that weren't successful, there were a couple of candidates in there who, you know, were quality candidates. And I think when they look back, at what they were trying to achieve with the uh, constitutional change uh, that four years ago, whatever it was now, three years ago, uh, that if we're at the point where not only do we have quality people who are directors of the club, but you have a couple of quality people that are applying to, who are standing as well for election, and there certainly were a couple there that stood out above, um, above the field, but if we're in that situation where you have some quality people standing like that, mate, this is what they would have wanted in constitutional change. Yep. To to have at you know, you want you want quality candidates challenging exactly. To have them aspir- you know, people with that sort of um, background who are aspirational mm-hmm. to take on director roles at the club because it's a it's a job that requires. Uh, quite a lot of time put in and it's they just have an honorarium that they get yeah. so yeah full marks to the uh, incumbents uh, congratulations and um, yeah we move forward with continued stability and while we continue to inch towards what we believe 
will be an eventual re-signing or retention of star halfback Mitchell Moses. The club dropped a big bombshell today on another player uh, with star winger and powerhouse try scorer Mike Acevo re-upping with the blonde gold for a further two years to take him through to the end of 2025. There was a bit of talk going back a few weeks about the club and Mike had been close to a new deal and sort of that came out nicely. I mean, not out of nowhere, obviously, but there was no drama. There was no, is he, will he, won't he go to the rugby union or go to another club? And both parties getting the deal done very nicely ahead of round one. It's not a surprise that it was done quietly because we know that that's how the club likes to get things done. The situation with Mitch Mose, of course, has turned into, has been a little bit different because it's been protracted and because it's been a, a source of media fodder. So, uh, yeah, there's no, not much point in discussing that because the decision's probably going to be known fairly soon. Uh, there certainly was a lot that came out recently in terms of uh, positive, positivity about him remaining at the club. Of course, mm-hmm. the club has since, sent, since said, uh, no, nothing official has been signed as yet, but uh, we're expecting a, an announcement imminently, imminently. So yeah. uh, we'll see what happens here. Yeah, and so Mike Acebo tied to the club for two more years. Uh, a chance to go over the triple digits for try scoring if he has a couple of prosperous seasons across 23, 24, and 25. What, what's sitting at now? I think he's at 67, if I'm not mistaken, or, there, or thereabouts. So, you know, obviously that leaves him 33 adrift, but two really good seasons and suddenly he's uh, right there in three solid seasons also puts him right in the mix. So hopefully the big fellow can get the triple digits and join a very elite club for the blue and gold. Yeah, and it will be quite an achievement, and because uh, the when you think about the players that are sitting at the top of that tree, is, is it Luke Burt? That's... Birdie got a hundred and five, didn't he? I think, um, and was it uh, the Crow that was up there as well? Uh, Try because I know obviously the Crow had a lot of points to his name when it came to goal kicking and whatnot, but I'm just trying to think. See if Rugby League Project can give us the list of Parramatta records and see what we can get here quickly. Most tries in a match is not what we're looking for. Most tries for club. Luke Burt had 124, sorry. Jared Hayne, 113. Brett Kenny, 110. They're the only three Centurions. Uh, Steve Eller, good friend of the podcast, 94. Sammy Ridradra, obviously uh, one of Micah's contemporaries from Fiji, 82. And that leaves uh, Micah at 67, Quinton Gufferson on 68 among active eels. So they're chasing down some other legends in the Crow, 75, the Guru, 78, uh, Price, 78. Uh, and obviously Redrider and Ella aforementioned. So they're in good company already, but a chance for both uh, Guffo and Sivo in the cross the next couple of seasons to become very uh, significant members of the club history when it comes to try scoring accolades. Well, mate, for. For uh, Micah to be in a situation where he's likely to overtake Guru, that is something else. Yeah, yeah, that that you'd think would happen this year. 11 tries to draw equal, obviously 12 to go ahead. So a good season for Sevo puts him right at the top of the uh, the tree there for Parramatta Wingers. Uh, let's move on to preview 60s because we've got a lot to get through and not that much time given that we're trying to crunch through this ahead of a pre-game show tomorrow. Uh, we'll start with the junior reps. Three games on the road going to Belconnen, if I'm not mistaken, to take on the Canberra Raiders. Uh, Tasha Gale, Harold Matthews and SG Ball, obviously. 
critical games for all three teams. They look to continue to consolidate their positions inside the top six and for the SG Ball uh, contend for the minor premiership. We start with the Tasha Gale 60s. It is 6v4, which tells you how important this game is with the sixth-place Eels obviously taking on the Raiders there in fourth place. They're equal on points? No, they're one point behind because of a draw. Yes, the Parramatta draw. So two wins apiece, but uh, a buy for the Raiders and a draw and no buys yet for the Eels. So a very important game here. Looking at the team list quickly, uh, we do have Talara Bambot back in the halves. So that means that fullback Debbie Dwyer, he will go back to her traditional role. Howie Bell is on one wing with Alicia Bell in the centres, where she'll partner Lindsay Tui as the other centre. And you've got Lola Vave, I believe. Sorry about that. Uh, on the other wing, and you've got Charlotte Cawthorn partnering Bamblet in the halves. Front row, uh, you've got uh, Layla Dimmick, Ashley Pottinger at dummy half, and Khaleesi Mahe. Mahe showing some versatility there, 60s. We've seen her in the back row uh, recently, now been able to play in the middle. Bella Sanford and Layla Black are on the edges. Kayana Lakenny comes into the starting team at lock forward. On the bench, Kanye Maru, Casey Kuzi, dummy half backup. You've got Mela Nukuo Akuwala Lalu, and then Aliyah Ganum as the final interchange. And you've got Sarah uh, Pola Ali as the reserve. This game kicks off 11 o'clock a.m., taking on the Raiders. Uh, girls had a fantastic win last week in a very high-quality game against the North Sydney Bears, and they really need to continue to build on what they showed out of Kellyville. It's interesting when you look at the Raiders' ladder position because, first of all, the Eels absolutely dished them up. I think it was the last round. It was last regular season 20, game. 2022 season. Uh, I, from memory, it was a 50-point. 50 50-pointer, 50 yep. That was 50 yeah, it, it was a, a record for the girls. And they gave them a not-too-dissimilar hiding in the trial from recollection. I, I think it was... Um, like 10, 11, 12 tries that they scored from memory. That's off the top of my head, but it was, whatever it was, it was a comprehensive victory that they had. The Raiders are ahead of the Eels on the table by virtue of a bye. So they've had two wins and a loss and a bye. So they got the two points for the bye, the Eels, two wins, a draw and a loss. So the Eels sit one point behind, but have... Uh, have lost. Uh, well, they they haven't had to play. The Raiders haven't played as many games because they picked up the points yeah. for the bye. Uh, as you mentioned last week, that was a high quality game that the girls played. It was the physicality was there. The and you, I wrote in the report for the Parramatta Reels website about the defence winning the match, and yes, it did. But it wasn't as if there weren't lots of questions being asked in attack. The thing about this Parramatta team, and it seems to be the same every week, although I'd also suggest that they are improving on a weekly basis, but the pattern that you see is they tend to start off a little bit tentative and then they build into the game and they finish the game strongly. Mm -hmm. And uh, apart from the first round loss to the Roosters, Indigenous Academy, which in reality wasn't unexpected because they're giving everyone a hiding and they've been a very, very strong team from the outset, the Roosters Indigenous Academy. We spoke about that before the first round and they are right at the top of the tree every year. And uh, the girls really looked, they looked like the new combination that they are in that first week. 
And since then, they've just been getting a little bit better every week. I think as their confidence grows, they will work towards being finalists this year. We know it's tougher because it's only a top six in junior reps. But if they play as they can, I'm expecting them to beat the Raiders this week based on uh, previous form of both teams and the way that the Eels have been uh, performing lately. Moving on to the Harold Matthews. This one kicks off at 12.30pm. Uh, Eels in this one, very much building off that second half last week that we saw against the North Sydney Bears. Uh, and they're going to be looking relatively unchanged, it looks like, of a quick uh, peruse of this team. Wish there is one major inclusion, which is a big boost to the team. We'll get to that shortly. But at fullback, Corey Lay on the wings, Dominic Ferruja and Lorima Rokosuka. Arma Fatanga Seve, he's back in the centres where he'll partner with Lachlan Vela. Haas pairing is Junior Fangalele and Lorenzo Talatina. Front row, Ocean Vivella and Mikhail Tito with Zaydis Mwanga Tutia at dummy half. Uh, Captain Josiah Funaluda, his back sixes. He's been out for a couple of weeks, so that's a nice in for the team. He'll be on one edge, which means Jordan Uta goes to the other. Tyson Sangalang is the starting lock forward. On the bench, you've got Lockie Kornakis, Louis Saad, Anthony Abdo, and Mason Ong. Aiden Kaburian is the reserve. And they're taking on a Raiders team. There's some surnames in there that probably uh, have some relevance. You've got a Croker at fullback. I wonder if that's an innovation there. There's a Hudson, uh, but that's Hudson Young is a first name rather than a full, uh, surname there, so... Uh, there's not too much else there. Uh, but and they're the, sitting sitting undefeated at the yes, top of the ladder. Yes, uh, that, that's what I was going to get to there, was they're actually the, top, the only undefeated team left in this competition uh, with a points differential of 54, which is 122 for 68 against. So uh, one of the best attacks uh, up there with, it uh, looks like, the Bulldogs and the Panthers, uh, and not quite the best defense, uh, but a very good all-round team, and obviously undefeated and at home. The Eels are very good in Harold Matthews when they hold on to the ball, but this is going to be a tough task. Yeah, it's interesting that one of the teams that the Raiders beat, and it was in the second round, was the Roosters. Now, as we know, the Roosters were too strong for the Eels in that first round up at the Central Coast. And we're not talking the Central Coast Roosters. We're, we are talking about the Sydney Roosters there. And I spoke about that game where it was... I don't know how the Eels lost that game. I said the Eels were a 20-point better team and somehow found a way to lose. I mean, the way they found to lose was to drop the ball. There was That's no not... Zach Fittler in that game against the Raiders, though, was there? I think yes. He... Oh, against the Raiders. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure. I, f- I think yeah. he might have missed that game. And he was the, the one factor that kept the Roosters in that contest against the Parramatta Eels, so... Yeah, yeah, Fittler and the uh, back rower. Yes, that's right, the, that he was working with in tandem, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they they were both standouts for the Roosters. But, uh, I mean, take if the Eels held on to the ball, they wouldn't have been the same factor. Um, and certainly take one or both of them out of that team. And I would have suggested that another team that was a top four team laps them. Now, the Raiders obviously made sure that they got the job done. So if you use that as a yardstick, even if Zach Fittler wasn't playing, you say, well, they got the job done better against the uh, Roosters than what Parramatta did. And you'd say maybe they they go into this as favourites because they're sitting undefeated at the top of the table. Mm -hmm. What we did see last week from the Eels was an almighty second half. Yes. And probably their best football of the season came in that second half. What we know about the Eels' Harold Matthews team 
is they take pride in winning the collision and they do a very good job. The, the forwards do a, a, an enormous job of winning that battle through the middle. But last week, it was it was touch and go at halftime because it, it was, was. Tall Yeah, it was. Yeah, and both... the, the Dragons, you'd have to say, had the better of that physical battle through the middle in that first half. And they were leading and, until Parramatta scored with that converted try right on half time. The Dragons had three tries to one, yep. but couldn't convert no a single try. Yep. Yes, and sir. then Para put the uh, foot to the throat of the Dragons in the second half. Dragons couldn't add a further point. The Eels went on to add, what was it, four converted tries in the second I half? I think so, yeah, four converted tries. Yeah, so it was 36, final score of 36 to 12. It was 24 nil in the second half. And that 24 nil scoreline is actually reflective of what we watched in that second half. So it would be, let's just say it's going to be a a good contest between the two. I I think this is an ultra important game for the Eels because you can't drop too many games in a top six competition. No, especially against your other compatriots inside the top six where you have a chance to steal a march on them. This is big. This is very big. So... Looking for big performances across the park from our boys and needing to hold on to that football. And speaking of big second-half performances, 60s, that takes us to the SG Ball Cup where the Eels take on the Raiders, obviously, but it's 1v2. Canberra holding just the slight lead on points differential over the Eels in this contest. Both teams undefeated alongside the Penrith Panthers, the only three undefeated teams left in the under-19s. In this particular game, there are some changes for the Eels from the team that managed to get past the... It was the uh, the Bears they played, right? Oh, yeah, it was yeah. the Bears. Yeah, they got, they got, they got, swapped, they got swipped, uh, swapped around with the Harold Matthews last week. So Yeah, because um, the, the you had the, both the Harold Matthews and the, Natasha Gale and the development squad playing the Bears and the uh, Harold Matthews were on their yeah, own. Eshie Ball playing the Bears and then Harold Matthews playing the Dragons, right? That's it, yeah. Yeah, so looking at this team, starting at fullback, you got Upper or Te Haranui Twaro. Uh, on the wings, Cody Parry and Muhammad Al-Madin, Roxhold pairing there. Paddy Spence, 60s. He's into the starting team at centre this week. Where he'll Is it a complete in. surprise? I don't think that's a, too no. much of a surprise. Either. No, Paddy's been so good off the bench for the Eels as that emergency back slash dummy half utility and uh, earns his spot or starting spot in the back line given there is still the absence of Richard Panasini as he comes back from what we believe was a shoulder injury. Uh, but he'll partner Devontae Vivella in the centres there. Ethan Sanders and Joshua Wynn, that's the outstanding harvest pairing there. They were both on fire last week, having a fantastic combination with the next player, Matty Arthur. Uh, all four spine players working really well together as they get uh, wearing on all cylinders. Uh, Matty Arthur will pack down in the scrum with Sam Tuovati and Saxon Pryke in the front row. In the back row, good to see this player back. Dom Destrada, 60s, he'll be on one edge. William Lewis on the other. Charlie Guyman captains the team from lock forward. On the bench, Dom's twin brother, Raphael, who was good, uh, very good himself, Last week, he'll be in the 14, where Sam Squire comes into the team, which I think is his 2023 debut for the Eels. So, well done to Sam there. LeBron Tuala and Lance Lima, who was sensational last week. That rounds out the bench. Kobe Herford is the reserve player. Yeah, it doesn't get much bigger at this point in the season. 1v2 on the road. Chance to steal a march on the Raiders with that number one seed in the competition. And yeah, I mean, we've seen this team going from strength to strength to strength. Uh, across the first uh, few weeks of the competition, or the first four weeks, rather. And now they get a really big test in the Canberra Raiders. 
you'd, you'd want to hope they're up to its 60s. Yeah, they've got the Raiders. have got a points differential of 108. That's uh, pretty impressive. I mean, the Eels are sitting second with a points differential of 72. And we have to add in there that there was uh, 30-odd points of that 72 that was uh, notched up last week in that big second half that the Eels put on over the um, over the Bears. So, uh, well, look, it, it's an interesting lineup that the Eels put out in that uh, Sam Tuivati is a big unit in himself, but we bring on the size off the bench because you're not going to get any better, and, uh, sorry, any bigger than Lance and LeBron. Yeah. It, uh, people have been um, stunned and talking about the size of LeBron when the Eels first signed him and said, you know, this is this is one massive unit of a human being for someone as young as what he is. And and to be fair to LeBron, he's he's building slowly into yeah. his season. They're they're really just slowly building up the minutes and he's feeling his way into this level of competition in New South Wales. So he I think he missed a chunk of the preseason with an injury. So we know that. But when they bring those two on Lance isn't too different in size to LeBron no no you know he's probably a bit smaller in one respect (laughs) like in height but he but not much (laughs) but I'd be interested in seeing what the the two of them are on the scales because I reckon it would be very similar it's a would there be a chance that Lance comes in a bit heavier that's a possibility Lance is very powerfully built and it is a rare luxury to have a player of his caliber coming off the interchange, uh, given that the two starting middles ahead of him in Tuavati and Pryke are also very good players. So, well, I should point out that the three of Tuavati, Pryke, and Lance Fulima all did that limited NRL preseason. So the three of them Reaping were the involved dividends. in doing that. Mm-hmm. So, and I think we're starting to see some of the benefits of the time that they spent there, plus when they weren't training with the NRL team, they were then, this is all prior to Christmas, they were then going and training with the Jersey Fleet yeah. team. So a very extensive, uh, sort of high-quality preseason for these young men. And that, that extends across the, a lot of that team, actually. Matty Arfa, obviously. Uh, I'm not sure about Arpa, but... Uh, Ethan Sanders, and even though he's not in the team because he picked up that injury, but Richard Panasini, so uh, a lot of Cody Parry too, I think. So a lot of these players getting big time experience and big time exposure to the standards it takes to take their game to the next level, and they've brought it back to the SG ball, which is what you love to see. Yeah, and you talked about the quality of the spine, and let's just remind people that Blaze Talangi isn't available because of injury. Yes. So you you have Ethan Sanders playing at 5'8". That's a hell of a pickle, isn't it, in terms of selection? Imagine throwing Blaze into the mix here uh, because neither Sanders nor Lynn deserve to be moved out, but Blaze is such a fantastic talent himself. Blaze, when Blaze first really caught the attention in his first season in Harold Matz, he played a number of games off the bench and was coming on in a utility role. He... There were games he came on at dummy half. There were games he came on at lock. There were games Mm -hmm. he came on in the halves. So he very much had that utility role. 
I don't know that he's viewed as a utility rather than as a specialist 5'8 these days. But yes, it will be interesting what happens. <laughs> Whether they choose to have him sit out the entire SG ball season is another option just to make sure that everything's okay. I think he's I think he's tracking towards a late season return, but mm-hmm. as we've seen before with junior reps, they do tend to take a safety first approach. Like there's no no need to rush back someone late in a season if they've got so much more that's available to them in the rest of the year and players like Blaze can easily end up playing jersey flag and just when they when they're back and they're ready to go rather than spending time in SG ball they might just put them directly to jersey flag and then again you're talking about in with Josh Lynn and Ethan Sanders two other players who when their commitments in uh, SG ball are done could easily end up in yeah, jersey flag there's a whole chunk of his team yeah now- and we talked about but and just very quickly super impressed with Arpa he was he got my best on field last week. I thought he was sensational in that in that victory. He scored three tries, but his positional play is getting better every week. The way he injects himself into the back line is just first class. We saw that game that try that he scored where he threw I I described it as more dummies in it than in a nursery. <laughs> it was it was phenomenal. Like he just kept throwing dummies and they kept falling for it. Uh, but uh, Matt Arthur, Woodsy, his form at dummy half is the way that he took the forwards through the middle in that second half last week was uh, it it was the difference. It, like, I don't know what was said at half time about what um, coach Steve O'Day, whether he, he redirected through the middle, but just the way that Woodsy uh, got them on the front foot. And then, of course, he stole two tries himself during the match, and they were absolute steals, weren't they? Like the sell of the of the um, crash ball, and then the you know you could just see the defence just fall for it, and he's just diving over beside the ruck when he's done that. So he's probably been either best on field or second best on field each week, um, and I think he got pipped by Arpa last week, and Sanders was certainly up there in the mix as well. So. My three-two-one last week basically went to the spine, and then you look at it and you go, "What about Sam Tuivati? Yep. What about Lance Fulima? Yep. What about the job that Saxon Pryke did when he was moved? He, he was so strong in the middle, and then he was on the edge. Um, you know what? What about how well Charlie Guyam is going out there? You know, like you were just picking players left, right, and centre that had outstanding performances and the hits that Sam Tuivati put on last week on the on the big bloke oh from the bed. Oh, my goodness. That, that, <laughs> like, actually, actually folded the man like a chair. Uh, and yeah. A like, completely clean, legal hit. But, yeah, just the, that's the sort of thing that really makes you not, – not like we weren't, <laughs> weren't putting Sam Tuivati on our radar. We speak so highly of him so often. But if you're at the game, that is the sort of hit that makes you stand up and take notice of a player. Just, you know yeah. – Clean, but violent. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I know we're raving a little bit longer than we planned to because we were going to make this, you know, nice and sharp and we'll, we'll get back to that. But seeing as though we're talking about defensive plays, I just want to go back quick quickly. What about Alicia Bell's both, tackle? Bo- both the Bells are on fire in the Tasha Gale. Yeah, Alicia with the – she covered three players 
on the scramble, going past the pass and then the sideline bundle out to save a try in a, in a very critical juncture of the game. And then uh, on the other side, you had Haley Bell, who was laying on the boom uh, down the right edge towards the back end of the game. Yeah, so both of them were huge defensive plays, and you love to see it in any grade, but especially with the Tasha Gale. Yeah, so, um, mate, I think we're pretty close to um, wrapping up the uh, the juniors. So One, one last uh, thing. It was the bad news is we're not going to be out there to cover them out of Belconnell. Uh, naturally, it's obviously a difficult road trip, but it also clashes with the games out at Kellyville. Uh, but the good news is, is that New South Wales Rugby Week have you covered with all three grades on Facebook TV. So people can have uh, the best of both worlds because we will have the live blog of the Jersey flag and the New South Wales Cup on TCT. So you can have uh, one device on TCT and uh, be watching the other live on the New South Wales Rugby League TV. Uh, you might have that streaming through their Facebook onto your television, or you can be uh, flipping between pages and, on your computer or iPad. And the cherry on top is while the Jersey flag will be covered, I think, exclusively on TCT via live updates, I think they're also going to be live streaming the New South Wales Cup game. So you're going to get well, four, four games of the Parramatta Reels on Facebook TV. You Talk about spoilt, mate. Yeah, talk, talk about spoilt indeed. What a... What a super sad day it is for fans that are plugged in digitally to be able to watch their lower grades from the junior reps right through to Reggie's. And uh, so that that, um, that that wraps up the uh, the juniors. And just speaking of that, then we've got the Jersey flag yep. and the New South Wales Cup. Yeah, doubleheader out at Kellyville. This one kicks off eleven fifteen a.m. Uh, with the Eels taking on the Canberra Raiders. In fact, it's all five grades below the NRL playing the Raiders, and it's one of those rare circumstances where the NRL team is the lone exception, and they're taking on the Melbourne Storm, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, so Cup and Flag taking on the nation's Capitals teams. We look at this Flag team here, 60s, a lot of returning faces, but also some new ones, uh, ones that I, I honestly have no idea about. So it's going to be a bit of a learning process for us as we sort of put faces to, uh, to names and play styles to both face and name. We start at fullback. This is the player we know, Arthur Miller Stephen. He's been very good for the Parramatta Eels. Really looking forward to seeing what he can do at fullback with a prolonged run. Um, and, yeah, and, and I'll just jump in and said he was also another player that did the, the NRL, NRL preseason. Yep. preseason. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we move on to the wings. We got our first new face, or actually first pair of new faces. You got uh, Lene Federica, which I believe, or who I believe comes from the Melbourne Storm. Uh, and then we have. On the other wing, Bo Newens, who joins us by way of the Central Coast. Uh, so and I think was more recently, I think he was at the Roosters, but originally from the Central Coast. Yes, yes. So got a pair of new flankers at the club. Uh, and they've they've had some players pull out of the team, which I double-checked it on Wednesday. But originally named in the centres was another newcomer in Ned Hicks, who I believe comes to us by way of the... Uh, where did they have Ned Hicks pick? The South Sydney Rabbitohs. Um, and then there is another returning face in Terrell Williams, who was very good last year, although he saw limited action due to um, some bad luck of injuries. But when he was in the team, looked real sharp. So Miller, Stephen and Williams being the two familiar faces anchoring the back line. Otherwise, we've got a trio of new faces there, 60s. Yes. Uh, so did you say that... Um there was a change in one of the centres there? Well, originally Ned Hicks was named. And then when I checked on Wednesday, there was just a like a redacted, no player named. 
So, uh, okay. yeah, I'm not sure if that's... Uh, well, I'll have a quick gander here and see if that's changed. Jersey flag team list is here. And, yeah, so Ned, the, Ned Hicks's spot is not there right now. Uh, including, and also uh, they've pulled out, it looks like, Jonte from the team and also one of our reserves. So I don't know if that's just a clerical error. But originally these players were named, so I'll just go through that quickly. In the halves, uh, Makapua, Fisi and Riley Lack, they're two returning players. They're holding down the fort at 5'8 and halfback, respectively. In the front row, we have another new recruit, Noah Reed, who I think joins us by way of Newcastle. And I think he was, a, going back a few years, was an under-15s Australian merit player. Uh, and he'll partner, originally was listed the partner, the big hyphen, Jonte Jr., Beth and Mieser in the front row. Nicholas Lenard's a dummy half. Captain the team as he makes his long-awaited return from an ACL injury is Jock Brazel. One player we're going to watch with serious intent there, 60s, good player and a chance to really uh, push up and make some waves for himself this year. And another player we haven't had a chance to see for a while, Max Tupu. He's back in the in the uh, edges. I, I went back and looked through the records, and I don't think he played at all last year. And I was, yeah, I was wondering what had happened, and obviously it was an injury of some sort. But he's back with the Eels, starting on the other edge. Brock Parker, another returning face, rock-solid player. He's going to be lock forward. On the bench, Jacob Davis, he was with us last year. He'll be the dummy half utility. Then you've got another new face in William Latu, who joins us by way of the North Queensland Cowboys. Nico Raffle and Larry Mwangu Tatia round out the bench. couple of big boys there. Big raps on Larry. We love watching him play. And Nico joined us last year from the Dragons and is a, a very talented player. You've just got to get some more consistency out of him. The reserve player is Lachlan Mears Crab, another new face who comes to us from the Roosters. So, yeah, I think there's five new faces if you factor in Lachlan Mears Crab. Uh, so plenty of new boys in the team, plenty of returning players, uh, probably a few players missing via injury and whatnot. I think Lockie Blackburn's still with us, and he's not in this team 60s, so maybe he picked up a niggle. Uh, but, yeah, interesting to see how this team plays first up. Yeah, we we caught a bit of a session, you and I, one day up at um, Kellyville. Uh, prior to that, I caught a session uh, before Christmas, and a lot of new faces, a lot of new faces in the extended squad, uh, didn't surprise me to see Bo Newlands out there on the wing. He has got plenty of toe. He's a very lean, tall player, but boy, can he move. And he does have some football skill. I like, I like the look of him out there. I wondered whether he was a chance to play at fullback. He looked like he was someone who, with the range of skills that he had, could feature in that position. But obviously with Arthur Miller-Steven there... It's uh, it's not a surprise that it's he's getting the first shot at it. So um, yeah, be in, very interested to see how the uh, how it turns out this week. And the second part of the double header, as I mentioned, televised or uh, live streamed on your South Wales Rugby League TV care of Facebook. This one kicks off at one o'clock p.m. at Kelly Hall Park. Eel taking on the Raiders with Nathan Cowis making his coaching return at the club. Uh, we've got a whole slew of young kids and some senior players in this team, starting at fullback. And I believe he'll be captain of the team, although he doesn't have a C next to his name officially. No one has a C on the team list, but it's Jordan Rankin. On the wings, you've got Hayes Dunster and Matty Komalafi. Club obviously trying to do the right thing by Hayes and ease him back towards a potential first-grade return uh, by the vehicle that is the New South Wales Cup. Matty Komalafi, he's the beneficiary of a Sean Russell suspension plus the general sort of question marks around some of the health of some of the Parramatta backline, but I do love seeing him in this grade 60s. Did really well here last year in 2022. Looks to have grown physically in stature this preseason, has a chance to really stamp or make a stamp 
in this grade starting in round one. In the centres, you've got Isaac Lumi Lumi with Zach Sini also named. That's a good one because he had what looked to be some pretty rattled ribs coming about Newcastle preseason trial. So hopefully he's healthy because that's a pretty handy back line otherwise. Yeah, it, it, it is. And considering the injuries that the Eels have got there, I, I think to be able to name the back line that they have is is pretty well I think it's a I think it's a great reflection on a solid depth that's at the club and can also just backtrack I can't remember if I got um, Arthur uh, Miller Stevens name correct or if I said Arthur Stephen Miller my apologies to Arthur if I said that incorrectly when we were talking about the some footy dyslexia uh, yeah, yeah. So it's Arthur Miller Stephen. If if I you know made that error, I'm not going to worry about us backtracking and checking the tape. Just apologies if I've if I've said that the wrong way round. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, Matt Komalafi goes this year because the number of tries that he scored, uh, he after only I think it was three. Appearances in New South Wales Cup last year, he was right at the top of the Nine try score. Nine was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just an amazing run, and then he, he was still bagging tries in the jersey flag. But it was just being that the the players that were in New South Wales Cup and the age of the players that he was the age that they could afford to drop back to the jersey flag because there were players older than him who would not have qualified age-wise for Jersey flag. And that's something that you might see with some of the younger players who, you know, you'd probably like to see them in New South Wales Cup. But it's a matter of whoever's in your squad, you've got to be able to use them and you've got to get them on the field. And if you can't get them in uh, from an age perspective into the uh, Jersey flag team, if they're a bit too old, it's... Yeah, it's a bit tough. I mean, we saw that with Samuel uh, Luizio last year, where he was up and down between New South Wales Cup and Jersey Flag. We saw it with Matt Komalafi. Uh, we saw it with, um, well, it actually went the other way. We we saw uh, Tony Mattaielli start in the Jersey Flag, and then he was brought up to the uh, New South Wales Cup. So it'll be interesting. I'd like to see some players get consistency in the grade that they're in and the football that they're able to play. Maybe that's a bit of a pipe dream at times, mate. You know, the the coaches will play who they want to play in the grade and they probably are going to base it on form rather than giving certain players opportunity. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll see. But I'd like to see Matty Komalafi get a consistent run in New South Wales Cup this year. Moving on to the halves, you've got Brennan Hands showing his utility value as he partners young Jake Arthur. Uh, he'll be 5'8", Arthur halfback. Front row, uh, nothing too crazy in terms of the props. We're used to offering Ogden and Kai Rodwell bookending for the Eels in this grade. But we get to see uh, one of the big sort of battles of the preseason play out uh, with a big outcome here, 60s, of Jaden Yates usurping the starting role from Mitch Rain. Uh, we, we spoke very positive about what Jaden's done, not just in the trials, but in the preseason. You dubbed him... Uh, the Quentin Gufferson fittest player of the preseason. And it looks like he's reaping the rewards now for a chance to maybe shore up a, a spot, not necessarily as a backup dummy half, given he's not currently top 30, but come that post-round uh, 10 sort of cutoff, maybe he could be a guy that could sneak onto the NRL bench after a good New South Wales Cup campaign. If 
effort and dedication count for anything, then he's put himself in the best possible position that he can. As you said, I award him the the best condition player in the preseason because he did the longest time in the preseason. Gutho was unquestionably right near the top, but this bloke, he had longer in the preseason than Gutho. He led from the outset and mate, he was just I couldn't fault what he was doing during the preseason. He backed that up in the trials, in his performances. And don't you just love to see, if you talk about someone's training track form and effort, that they come out in a game in the trials and go, here I am again. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what he did. And I couldn't have been happier because the last thing that I want is to go and make statements about certain players and how they've trained and how I think they'll go in the season. And you like to tip certain things and you don't want to end up with, with egg all over your face, especially if you're talking about um, a prediction around a player that is not as experienced as others. So yeah, really happy for Jaden. He's, he loves the eels. I, I said, I just want to see him get his opportunity in New South Wales Cup. And then whatever happens from there is going to be determined by him on the field. But, yeah, he's put himself in the best shape that he can, did everything right in the trials, wins the slot in New South Wales Cup. It's up to Mitch Rain to win it back. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. And speaking of players that prove their worth in the preseason, Tony Matteoli starts on what I believe will be the left edge. Uh, but no surprises there, 60s. He was very good in the preseason, very good in the trials, and he's really that one player to put in your little black book and watch for an NRL debut potentially down the road this year. Luca Moretti gets the other starting berth on the edge. Dan Keir was originally named to start at lock forward. He's one of those players that's now been removed from the team list, which I don't know if it's a clerical error or an availability error. Uh, but, yeah, that's the starting 13 there. Dan Keir, another player that you've pumped up in the preseason, came to this uh, 2023 campaign in the best shape of his career and has a chance to um, maybe be one of those sort of gems in the rough the eels have uh, unveiled in the past, like Andrew Davey uh, and so. But yeah, uh, chance for him to start here and, and put his name into contention. Yeah, and one of the things, again, that I was hoping that he would get was the opportunity to play consistent football. And if by chance there's an injury there, it's an unfortunate way for him to start the season, given that he'd won a starting pack position in the in that New South Wales Cup team, because that's what we want to see. We want to see him playing as much football as he can and either demonstrating to uh, the footballing public and the coaches what he's capable of. And the worst thing, the worst possible outcome is if he's just not as available and then he can't put his put best foot forward and then we just don't ever get to see so, um, yeah, fingers crossed that uh, maybe it's a clerical error um, or if it's, a, if it's an injury to him that it's only a short-term one. Moving on to the interchange, Mitch Rain, he'll be the reserve dummy half. He's joined on there by Tavita Talmapenu. Newcomer Nico Apelu, who I believe hails from the Wenty Magpies, and then you mentioned him earlier, but Samuel Luizu will be the uh, backline slash also back row utility. So... Got some uh, different ways to use the bench there. Tavita obviously is the, the big unit in the middle. And I have to imagine that Nico will be playing in the middle too, looking at the 
composition of that bench. But yeah, this one kicks off at 1 o'clock p.m. You can catch it via TCT updates or uh, and or. You can have both open, open obviously. Uh, New South Wales Rugby League TV. And they're taking on a Raiders team that's not short on some NRL experience. Big fella, they've got Jared Croker, Semi Valame, Brad Schneider, Zach Wolford. I think uh, Schilling, James Schilling also has played a bit of NRL too. So uh, no, they're not going to be a, a slackers or a slouch in this contest. Yeah, it's interesting that Zach Wolford is not in the 17 there somewhere for uh, the top grade. Uh, so he's a, he is a definitely a, an NRL standard dummy half. So it looks like uh, Danny Wolf- Levi has made a bit of a splash for the Raiders and has um, yeah. jumped both uh, Wolford and uh, the other dummy half, the one that got into the uh, the bar, not brawl, but fracas. So, yeah, Wolford finds himself in Reggie to start this game. And also, surprisingly, given that he's been going from strength to strength, uh, and we have big wraps on him as a Parramatta junior, but Trey Mooney's in this grade too. A bit unlucky to be playing Reggie's for round one, given that he seems to be you know right thereabouts for NRL level. And that wraps us up for all the lower-level preview 60s. Let's get to the main event, which is chronologically the first one kicking off tomorrow night, launching the NRL season out at Parramatta, Combank Stadium, Parramatta Eels, hosting the Melbourne Storm, 8 p.m. kickoff, Whew, big mouthful there. Uh, doesn't get much. Well, I say it doesn't get much bigger than that. But injuries and attrition have sort of taken some of the gloss off this contest ahead of kickoff, with both teams sort of reeling, especially the Melbourne Storm. But the Parramatta Reels have their fair share of injuries too. Uh, let's take a quick look at the Melbourne Storm lineup sixties uh, because there was so much on the line coming into this game. You have got Melbourne's nineteen-year streak of round one victories. Parramatta's four years entrenched inside the top eight. Parramatta's three-game win streak over the Melbourne Storm. So. So much backstory to this game, and suddenly it's sort of taken a back seat uh, with both teams sort of uh, limping into the contest. For the Melbourne Storm, well, they're missing some big names. Uh, there's no Ryan Pappenhausen. If you've been following that story, it's just taking a really bad turn. He's uh, really struggling for his recovery. He's going out to the States to try and get something to work for him. Uh, but his timeline for a turn, well, I think round six to eight was mooted last week, and he came out and said that would be very optimistic. So... I, I hope he can get back because he is a fantastic player to watch and just seeing him struggle with his recovery has been really, really shitty. But joining him as the unavailable players this week is Tarek Sims, Tepai Moroa, former Parramatta Real, Tom Eisenhuel and Tui Kamikamika, uh, all very solid players. So that's um, some big names out, not, not necessarily superstar names outside of Ryan, uh, but some really solid players there, including a big recruit in Tarek Sims for the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, mate, you're looking at the at the Melbourne Storm team, there are a lot of uh, new faces. Yes. In that team. Big exodus of... Relatively inexperienced faces, uh, starting with uh, Will Warbrick. I, I believe he's a code switcher. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, he's a Kiwi code switcher, I believe. Um, I think he might have been a, a, a contemporary of uh, Bowie Simonson in New Zealand Rugby Sevens. If I'm not mistaken, but yeah, he's uh, comes to he comes to Australia or NRL rather than Australia, uh, care of the rugby union system over there, and he's a he's a pretty sizable unit, so he's going to be one to watch uh, with the ball in hand and also under the high ball. But going through the team quickly at fullback, Nick Meaney. You mentioned Warbrick. He's on one wing with Xavier Coates, the uh, outstanding young winger on the other side. Raymond Smith and Young Tonomapia, sorry, round out the centres. Uh, the halves. Well, there's no lack of quality there. Sixties. Cameron Munster, the big danger man, and Jerome Hughes is uh, no slight himself. Uh, round out a very strong halves pairing. In the front row, you've got Nelson, Asofa, Solomona, and Christian Welch, two very good bookends there. 
Harry Grant, one of the better dummy halves running around. In the back row, though, I mean, I, I recognise all three players having followed the NRL, but I can understand the fans didn't really have big raps on Trent Loiro and Josh King, uh, while LSI Katoa was a bit of a breakout star for the Warriors during the COVID-impacted season before uh, fading a little bit last year. But I think he's going to be a good recruit for the Melbourne Storm. Trent Loiro's a good young player too, and Josh King's very solid, but that's a pack that's missing a, a world of experience with the Bromwich boys and Felice Cafusi all migrating up north to join the Dolphins. Yeah, it's... I, I guess... I mean, could you use the term rebuilding year for the Storm? It, potentially, yes. And um, I was talking to the boys in the Parrot podcast on Tuesday, but and I think I mentioned it in my team was Tuesday post too, but uh, if my numbers were right, last year was the first year since the end of 2014, I think, where the Melbourne Storm finished outside the top four at the end of the regular season. So, you know, the, this isn't like I told you so after saying years and years that the Melbourne Storm are finally not going to be good, but they've got some work to do. You know, they've got clearly got some incredible players still. If Ryan Pappenhausen gets back, he'll join Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes as, you know, big-time playmakers. Xavier Coach is a great young back. A surface Almoner, as much as he's a grub, is a fearsome prop forward with Christian Welch giving plenty of consistency and some nice offloads. Uh, and you throw on Harry Grant to that. There are clearly great pieces there, but you're missing a huge core in that middle and edge rotation there with the Bromwich boys and Kafusi going. And, yeah, it's hard. it's not easy to replace. No, it's not. You'd still say that what they've got is a quality spine. Yes, agreed. And and quality props. And this is where it's interesting because I think the Eels and the Storm... Similar models. ...match up quite favourably. I mean, quite evenly, don't they, across the, across the spine. It's where we might have a slight edge in one player or another they have um, elsewhere. So it's, you might say, Gutho uh, edges ahead yeah. uh, as, uh, you know, back at, at fullback. But then you'd, you'd look at the Harbs and go, geez, that's a, you know, that's a tough match. Uh, Jerome Hughes, it's, it's, you know, is Mitch Moses a better half than Jerome Hughes? It's... Uh, Jerome Hughes is a Kiwi, so he's not in competition with him for any origin spots. But gee, it's hard to go past Jerome Hughes as a as one of the best halves in the game, and you still say Mitch Moses is one of the best halves in the game. It's a it's a pretty close match up there. A lot of people might give the edge to Jerome Hughes. Then you look at the five eights, Cameron Munster. Need you say more? But he's a he's a completely different mould to. Dylan Brown, whereas Cameron uh, Cameron Munster, we know he's got that part to the game where he can get frustrated within the game. Dill, if you had a criticism, it might be that he drifts out a little bit mm. in games. And you're probably not going to frustrate him in a game. He's, he's a bit too laid back for that. Um, probably if you tried to niggle him, you might bring him into the game <laughs> a little bit more. Um so they're just completely different styles of, of player. But Munster is just so mercurial. Yeah. And then, you know, what can you say about Harry Grant? Um, but at his best, Josh Hoston's right up there. So if he ends up producing up near his best for Parramatta, well, again, it's a, it's a close contest. So, um, yeah. And, and then you've got, um, I think we've got the edge and the props. 
uh, and that's with respect to uh, someone uh, uh, like um, uh, Christian Welsh, right? He, he's, he's quality. I'm not a fan of Nelson. He's a dangerous player, but I think we all have our opinions of, of Naz and how he, how he plays the game. But, you know, it's a close contest there. So I almost think who's got the edge outside of those key players might just determine the winner mm. of this game. And quickly rounding out the uh, Melbourne Storm bench, Tyron Wishart, Alec McDonald, Chris Lewis, and a blast from the past, Jordan Grant, 60s. Remember him running around for us in what I believe would have been the Toyota Cup, I think, maybe back then? Yeah, uh, it's, it's going back in time, mate. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, late bloomer there for Jordan Grant. Good to see him make it. Uh, but he'll round out the interchange bench for the Storm. For the Parramatta Eels, well, we've got some surprises here, mate. Uh, players that uh, we thought were going to be fit and got there in time. Players that I thought weren't going to be fit and have got there some way, somehow. But starting at fullback, you mentioned him already. One of the two co-captains of the team, Clinton Gufferson. Uh, he's just re-upped the heels, but Mike Acebo holds down the left edge. Bailey Simonson, who I thought was still a, not a ways out, but still a couple of weeks out. Well, he's come out from no preseason action to be starting on the right wing. Big in for the Parramatta Eels there. Will Penasini will be partnering him on the right edge. Wonga Blake working with Micah on the left. Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses, that superstar. Harles pairing in the front row, talking about superstars. Big Reg and Junior Barlow, they're the 8 and 10 respectively, and they'll be working with Josh Hodgson. Really excited to see how those trio work together. Bryce Cartwright, he gets to start on the left edge, and that's a big call because I know that uh, Sean Lane's out for six or seven weeks, dated back to when he had his surgery post that Newcastle trial. But uh, he gets the uh, call to start on the left edge instead of Jeremiah Masia or Jack Murchie, which is not a surprise to Murchie because of his versatility to play off the bench in multiple positions. But... Uh, Cartwright of Mamasia is a, is an interesting call and maybe a, going to be a, a great one given that it might spark Cardi to play his best football. Matt Dury, no surprises. He wins that right edge starting berth 60s with Jermaine Hopgood running out the starting team at lock forward. What a hype on Jermaine. Looked really good in the trials. Really looking forward to seeing how he grows with the spine with the other middles. On the bench, you've got Jeremiah Mamasia, Jack Murchie, and then a pair of uh, interchange bookends in Rui McGregor and Matt Hesse Makatoa. Jake Arthur, Kai Rodwell, Ofiki Ogden, Mitch Rain, and Isaac Lumi Lumi round out the reserves. Of note there, Lumi Lumi, the only reserve back, so if something does go wrong, he's the one that's going to be getting caught up. Well, it depends if you uh, how you classify Jake. So if... Oh, sorry, I meant in terms of... I suppose, yeah, you could you could reshuffle the spine, but if you want to make it a, a one-for-one, you go for Isaac Lumi Lumi there. Yeah, if you wanted to make a, a, like a late change in terms of who you listed on the bench a question for you who do you think has the better bench i think uh i really like what jack Murchie can bring to this team um i think he's going to be a great uh, inclusion on the bench for us uh, i think jeremiah Masia has got some potential uh, and we, we sort of started seeing that in that newcastle trial and he's just got to work hard to improve on that which i think already puts eels in a good spot there um, Tyron Wishart obviously gives the Melbourne Storm far superior utility value. His ability to play throughout the entire spine, essentially, from dummy half to fullback is a rare uh, capacity to have on the bench. Uh, but I think Mamasir and Murchie give us good flexibility, whereas and Gregor Makatoa, while not you know outstanding first graders by the, the value of representative tier players, I think they can do a good job deputising Junior and Reg. So I, I would put us ahead on the bench there. Yeah, I, look, I think it's interesting. You referenced before about Melbourne finishing outside the top four last year. And 
with respect as well, and considering that we got that top four spot, it's fair to say Melbourne blew that in the second last round in losing to the Roosters in a poor performance from them, uh, which then set it up that the winner of uh, the Storm against the Eels got that top four spot last year and we uh, smashed them in that last game. I look at that and this is where I, this is where I say that maybe they're not quite the same team mm-hmm. because a Melbourne team of years gone by, and let's bear in mind that they had a lot more experienced players in that team last year than what they're playing this year. And whether you say, look, they were getting a bit old in the tooth and maybe they weren't up to it is another matter. But it was still a situation where they just couldn't do it at the end of the season. Like at a time of the year where they're normally playing their best football, last year they ran out of gas. What we can't deny is their record of what is it, the last 20 seasons? Is it that they're going for 21? Going on, going on the big 2 0, yeah, I believe, if um, my back counting is going right. So, yeah, incredible historical achievement, uh, you know, to start every season on the front foot with a good win, uh, you know, unreal. And obviously, Parramatta have, you know, plenty at stake in this game, too, in terms of their four year stretch inside the top eight. And that's no mean feat themselves, but. Nearly two decades, 60s. What a streak. It, it is a streak uh, for... Uh, it's indicative of what their pre-season is like, isn't it? Yeah. That they are ready to start the season and that they put themselves in a good position to build a platform early, which consolidates their position in the top eight every single year. Now, what we then look at is the Parramatta Reels and we've got that record of featuring in the top eight at the end of every round in the last four seasons. There hasn't been a single round in all those seasons where the Eels aren't sitting somewhere in the eight. And of course, critical to that is winning the first round of the year. Mm -hmm. If you lose that first round of the year, that's the end of the streak because (laughs) it doesn't matter what the other results are. There there is no other result that can help you if you lose your first game. I mean, theoretically, a draw might, um, but it's, you know, you, you have to really, the realistic thing is if you win, you're in the top eight because a, a ninth, well, I, I guess the Dragons get the bye for the, correct uh, for the, um, yeah. uh, but they're, they're a zero, zero after the bye on the for and against. So if you win, you're in the top eight after the first round, if you lose, you're outside the top eight. You're outside the top nine, in fact, where the to where the Dragons will sit with the 0-0 zero, zero and the buy points. So, yeah, someone's streak comes to an end. I guess for Parramatta, they're not going to get a better test than taking on that team with the longest streak. I'm going to suggest, mate, let's get... Let's not fire off too many... Uh, like, let's not use all of our gunpowder right now. <laughs> We've got... We've got our our pre-match podcast. It's a long season. We've got a pre-game show as well. Yeah, that's it. So we'll get straight into the predictions. I, I'm going to give a score of Eels 34, Storm 20. Mm-hmm. First try scorer will go to Cardi. Oh, yeah, 
I'll, I'll I, go I like that. I like that. I'm tipping yeah. Carter to play a pretty good game here. Uh, I think put him into that starting role. You know, I'm not going to call it a masterstroke, uh, but I think it's a, a good call. Give him a, a chance to be hyper focused and play some of his best football. Um, I he would... gets the chance to. He gets the chance to win a top seventeen spot. Correct. For you know the potentially the rest of the season with a strong based start. On if he if he does his role, he, he doesn't even have to no, be the don't force you know, the offloads. Yeah. yeah, if he plays his role and the Eels win, then BA's not about to change it. And the only time he might look at changing it is when Sean Lane comes back, and then he might have a look at what's happening with the rest of the team. And who knows? I mean, Cardi might get moved to the other edge. He might get moved to the bench. There there could be another role. But if he's doing exactly what the coach asks him to. Well, the coach isn't going to want him out of the team, especially if the team are winning. So he gets that opportunity to consolidate a position. So I'm going to go for him for first try scorer and yeah, player of the match, Mitch Moses. Yeah, that, that's a great call. I think that really the stage is set for Mitch to be a superstar tomorrow night. So I'll go with him as my man of the match too. Uh, you know, a bit vanilla there, but I think that it really is right there. The script is there for Mitch to just ink it, uh, you know, maybe ink something else too uh, and make himself the uh, MVP. I'm going to go to the other edge and go for Matt Dury for my first try scorer. So I think that the Eels will go back roll one way or the other, whether it's uh, Cardi or Dury. And I've got us winning 26 to 12. So four tries and a penalty goal, if my maths is right there. And yeah, but a very similar margin. To yes, exactly. So, um, obviously, you cannot write off the Melbourne Storm uh, and you want to be putting the clamps on all three of their core playmakers that are in that team, in especially Munster, but also Harry Grant and uh, Jerome Hughes. But the Eels have a really good chance to start 2023 with a big positive step. Yes, we've got our own questions over the health of certain players in the back line with Micah, Wanger and Bailey, uh, none of them seeing any preseason action. That's not ideal. But I think that our forward pack can carry us. I think that that outstanding pairing of Junior and Reg will set the platform. I think that Jermaine Hopgood and Josh Hodgson can uh, be real difference makers on the back of that. So really keen to see how it all comes together. And obviously we're not going to be perfect. But if we can start seeing all the different players start to build those different combinations, I'll be very happy. Yeah, it's... It promises to be one of the more interesting first rounds that we've played in some time, mainly because there's real unknowns, but there's excitement with the unknown yep. as well this time. And all the people that have suggested that you know, the proverbial window is closed or that the Eels will go backwards because of losing certain players. They get to see, and well, all of us get to see how the recruits will fit into our system. And it is just the first round. And whatever happens, I believe the team will build from here. Whether we win or whether we lose, the team will become better as a unit. And not just because there will be some players that will be returning from injury, but simply because all the all the new combinations will build how many games they played together. Yeah. So it's an exciting start. A reminder again, we're in the club, Jack's Bar and Grill from six o'clock on uh, Thursday night, 
come and say good day, have a drink, have a feed, get ready for the 7.50 p.m. kickoff. So you'll have plenty of time between when we wrap up the podcast and plenty of time to get over to the game for kickoff. Looking forward to seeing you there. It was a great year last year. Lots of people dropped in and said g'day to us. We got to meet people from different states, from out in the bush, people who were getting to the club for one of the first times. And I'm hopeful that we get the same thing happening this year. It's uh, nothing like making Parramatta Leagues Club the home of the Eels and seeing all the blue and gold colours that are around the club, inside the club. It's just great on match day. Mm -hmm. And on that note, we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Go you Eels.